Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, I ask God that you would open our hearts to your word and open your word to our hearts. I pray for anything that I say this morning that is not of you, anything I say about your word or anything as it is applied to this particular people that's not of you, I pray it would be forgotten by everyone. But anything that is enduring, is lasting, is rooted in the truth in, in you and in your goodness, I pray that it would lead to new life as we leave these doors today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, in December, uh, Southwest Airlines, which is my, has been my airline of choice for a long time, uh, Southwest Airlines had to cancel over 15,000 flights. I don't know if you remember this news story. Uh, it, it all started when this big Arctic front came over like half of the country right around Christmas time. It was in the days before Christmas, which is just the worst possible time for this to be happening, right? And the, the weather was so frigid, like there was, you know, it put together with there being snowfall in a few places, like Southwest has hubs in Denver, where I'm from, and in Chicago. Like, it was, we, like folks knew there would be delays. This is, a, this is a common thing. You know, holiday movies are made out of stories like this. But the interesting thing was that other airlines besides Southwest Airlines, they bounced back by the time Christmas rolled around. But Southwest went into a, like a complete spiraling meltdown. Uh, they, they went like had to cancel almost all their flights for nearly a week, and they left nearly a million customers stranded. And that, and that week, I actually was driving a friend to pick up a rental car that he had reserved at the airport for other things. And that week, I remember like the line for the rental car place was just out the door and everyone was angry because their flights, their people were like, I guess, you know, I have a flight from Philadelphia to Nashville, Tennessee. I guess I'll just drive instead because the chances of me getting out of here in the next week seem to be pretty slim. What happened? The storm, the Arctic front, it came and the, the problems of Southwest Airlines under the surface were revealed. What was going on was that they had back-end technology uh, where if you were an employee of Southwest and there was some kind of, like, before going into your shift, you always have to call this operator number, um, and the, then you're told, what, like, where you as a crew member will go for the day, uh, which sounds like a system from the 1980s, if you ask me. Uh, but what happened is these, uh, these operators were understaffed, and soon they became overwhelmed from the call volume from their different employees, and all, then all of a sudden, like, it's just like this domino effect, and there were employees who were on hold with Southwest's line 
for over 12 hours, just waiting to find out where they were supposed to go. The storm, here's the thing about this. The storm wasn't the problem for Southwest. The storm revealed the problem. In this psalm, we have two contrasting images, two different visions on how to live your life. A tree and chaff that the wind drives away. And the key difference between them, between the the tree and the chaff, is how they respond to the wind. It's how they respond to the Arctic front that rolls in. The wind reveals what they really are. Are they a well-rooted tree that holds fast? Or are they shavings of grain that's driven away? One endures in the storm and the other perishes in the storm. So those will be the two primary things I'm talking about, the tree and the chaff. So first off, the, the tree. Blessed is the man, this psalm begins. The, the, the book of psalm begins. This psalm is really the foundational like preface psalm for the entire Psalter. Blessed is the man. This psalm is an invitation to live a happy, full, satisfied life in God. And obviously, it's this happiness, it's more than just like indulging pleasures. You know, it's not just endless meals of pixie sticks, right? It's a, bl- a blessed life is not, it's not the same as a charmed life. Have you ever heard that? Like, those are two different expressions. It's not a charmed life where things just come easy, but a full life. A, there, there's, in, this, in this blessedness, there's richness in relationship with God, in relationship with others. It's living a life with, like, where you're, you're in good relation with generations before and generations after. It's, a life, it's an invitation to a life worth remembering, a life that the Lord knows, upholds, and vindicates on the judgment day. It's the invitation. And let's pause for a moment and marvel at this, and th- these like, Bible passages that just sound like maybe things you hear every week, if you come here every week, or if you're outside of the church and looking in, it's like, oh yeah, this sounds like classic Bible, Bible words. Like, well, let's, let's actually let this sink in. Let's marvel at this. This, is, this psalm is saying is that it is possible to live a blessed life, to live a blessed life. It's possible for you to live a blessed life. It's not just something for fairy tales. It's not just in fiction. Where have you, as you come in, you're worshiping today, where have you come to doubt that it's even possible for such a life to exist? Like, it's, I think there, may, there could be some in here who say, yeah, I believe that's possible in general, but not for me. And let me, let me tell you, it is reasonable for you to think that. Like, let me, let me just reflect. I, I, um, I, I preached on this text a few months ago in, in our, in, uh, over at Liberty River Awards, and I was just, you know, looking out at the audience of, like, things that I know had, that had happened in people's lives. And these are things that happened at Liberty River Awards. I would wager that some of these things have happened in this room over the past year, too. Here's some things that have happened. Family members have died. Friends have died. Some have had friends that have died young. People's bodies are breaking down. People are diagnosed with sickness. Loved ones diagnosed with sickness. Friends have moved away. Or friendships have changed or been broken. Having deep friendships has never felt more impossible. For some, parenting is way harder than we could have imagined. Or for some of us who are kids, being kids in our house has been way harder than we ever could have imagined. We've seen things happen on on our streets, in our cities, in our country, that make us feel threatened, anxious, 
unwelcome, overlooked, held in contempt. Are any of these registering with you? Or we've had prayers that have gone unanswered or maybe answered in the opposite way of what we were asking for. We've had loved ones, friends, or family get divorced or relapse into addiction. Or maybe that's you. The list goes on and on. So how audacious is it of me, is it of the Bible, to say that a blessed life is even possible in such a world? But you see, this is why the image of the tree is so profound, and it can catch all those things that I just said. A tree, this person who lives the blessed life, is subject to the seasons. It's subject to the winter cold, to the summer heat. It faces the same driving wind that blows the chaff away. There are times when a tree bears fruit in a time where presumably the tree doesn't bear fruit. It's an image that maintains two things at the same time as we think about the blessed life. It maintains, one, that a blessed, full, rich life in God is possible. And that a blessed, full, rich life in God will face seasons of sorrow, of devastation, and heartbreak, and yet still be blessed. You see how it holds both of those together. It doesn't come, this, this image, this living this way, it doesn't come naturally, for sure. But it isn't impossible. The tree has roots that go deep down into streams of water. This is, which is to say, like, this is a blessedness that's rooted. It's not controlled by circumstances. It's not controlled by how your income is fluctuating this year. It's not controlled by, by how your relationship with your boss, wherever it's at. It's not controlled by the hardship that you're experiencing in your relationship with your spouse or with your parents or with your kids. As grievous as those things are, the blessedness isn't controlled by them. I would invite you to see what, what does the blessed man not do? What does the text say? Um, it's striking that the description of the blessed man begins by what he doesn't do. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. It's this string of like spatial movement metaphors, and you notice there's kind of a progression. First, you're walking in the counsel of the wicked. That's like the the thought world, ideas, and then standing in the way of sinners. So now the the, the wicked man is seeking the approval of his peers. He goes from thoughts, seeking the approval of his peers, to sitting in the seat of scoffers. That's like a a biblical language for like occupying positions of power. So thought to approval from peers to occupying positions of power. Do you see kind of a movement there? Which is to say, abandoning the blessed life, it's huge for most of us, like 99% of the time, abandoning the blessed life is not about one giant decision, but about a cascade of small decisions and non-decisions, by the way, in what, in what you think and what you do and whose approval you seek and what positions you sit in. The way of the wicked, to put it, to put it another way, is just going with the flow or to, to maintain the metaphor of the psalm. It's just letting yourself be driven by the wind. But what does the blessed man do? Where do the roots go? He delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, the law of the Lord, it it doesn't just mean reading the rules in the Bible, though it does mean at least that sometimes. Uh, The the law of the Lord, one preacher I heard, he put it, it's delighting, it, it means treating the whole of the scriptures as a rule of life. It means, as I look at it, it means treating the means of grace that God has given us, his word, sac- it's sacraments, prayer, 
fellowship with believers, it's treating these things as things that are alive. Things that are alive. Like, like these things are streams of water that we are, we're called to dig our roots into. Like, I don't know if you've ever, on a, your property or a property somewhere you know, like if you've ever like dug down in someone's yard and seen um, a pipe that's become like wrapped around by roots and weeds like, that's under the surface. Like, the, the, the image is like those things that I just named. It means, you know, the prayer, uh, fellowship of believers, word, sacraments. These things are like the pipes of living water, and we're called to have like our lives be like the roots where we just cling as tightly as we can uh, to that water for that, that sustenance. And I would ask you, like, is this your, like, sucking out any life that you can get, is this your attitude towards these things, the things I just named, these means of grace? And frankly, none of these things are spectacular. Like, none of them. They're quite lackluster and boring, at least as the ways that we look at them with our natural eyes. And perhaps God meant it that way. Perhaps God meant, the low th- meant for the low things to be the things we're supposed to cling to, to shame the strong. So this psalm is an invitation. It's an invitation. If we root ourselves in God's law and his beings of grace, our lives will be more fruitful, resilient, and blessed. Let's talk about the chaff, about the wicked. What is chaff? Chaff are just empty shell casings around, which, around grain, and like after the, the, grain, the grain is taken, taken, the chaff, it's thrown aside, it's taken away by the wind, or it's burned. Uh, chaff is dead, it's unfruitful, it's unserviceable, and it's light, it's airy. It's the complete opposite of the image of a tree that's rooted. The tree's alive and fruitful and heavy. The ways of the wicked, they can't stand in the judgment because ultimately they're empty, they're meaningless, and they're perishable. That's what this image is saying. Uh, C.S. Lewis, um, in his, his book, The Great Divorce, he kind of, he kind of imagines what like, the, the afterlife will be like. What would it be like if a, gr- if a bus full of people from hell were carted up and they came up to, to, to heaven and see what it was like? And when those people come up in his book, they're surprised to discover that heaven is more real than hell, which is like they are but shadows of spirits. Like they, they, they realize like, oh, we're just kind of like shadowy spirit creatures, and they step in heaven, and like the grass is so heavy that the blades cut into their feet. It takes all their strength to lift a pebble in, the, in this image of C.S. Lewis. The biblical word for glory has the same root as the word for weightiness or heaviness. The ways of our world the ways of the wicked, though they may seem lofty and important. In the grand scheme of things, they are light, they are airy and meaningless, like chaff driven away by the wind. Um, we, uh, at Liberty Riverwards, uh, we, we don't do altar calls. I would guess you don't do altar calls here either. Um, I don't know if you grew up in a, a church where there are altar calls. Maybe there, there are different ways altar calls are done. I grew up in a church where there was kind of a version of, of altar calls where it was like everyone was sitting in their seats and if you're going to pray to re- everyone closed their eyes for prayers and if you're going to pray to receive Christ you like raise your hand and there, uh, there's a, I guess there was supposed to be some like anonymity from everyone closing their eyes like the, I, I can tell you as a kid I definitely was like well you know it was like peeking like who's putting their hands up and I am sure the grown-ups did too um, like the uh, 
I mean, the altar call, like where the name comes from, is like calling people to the front to pray to receive Christ or receive healing or whatever it may be. Uh, there are good reasons why at Liberty River Wards, and I would presume at Liberty Collingswood, that we don't do altar calls. There are good reasons not to. Uh, but there are also some really good things about altar calls. Uh, the foremost one being there's something in it that's like this really strong invitation where everyone kind of is like, there's like a, a discomfort in your seat where you're like, am I supposed to like do something right now? Like, like is God calling, like is God, there, there's this kind of this leaning forward, this call to action and worship service that can be kind of electric. Like what's going on inside me? And I would tell you like there's something biblical about that putting us in a position of like leaning forward and wondering what we have to do. Like um, there's an altar call element I think to this psalm. There's an invitation here. Are you going to be like the tree or are you going to be like the chaff? But many characters in the Bible, Moses, Joshua, even Jesus, they give speeches where they lay out two choices to the audience. They say, are you going to choose life and following God? Or are you going to choose the way of evil, the easy way that leads to death? So in the spirit of this text, in the spirit of altar calls, I'm not going to do an altar call, don't worry. Um, I just want to put some questions as you're sitting to you, as you're sitting in your seat. Um, as you're, so like this is, we're kind of, you know, we're kind of the midway point of the year. And the, really, the, the fall is, a, is, a, is, a, is the beginning of the year in some ways. So looking back in like at the midpoint of the year, I want you to consider some of these questions. Looking back at the 2023 so far, remember Southwest Airlines. Where as you look at this year, has the wind just blown the hardest on you this year? Where are you in an Arctic front? And what did your response reveal about your roots? So trying to dig into where, like, where have you felt the most lonely, angry, sad, etc.? And in those moments, to where, where did you turn? To whom did you turn? I also want to ask you this. Do you feel close to God this morning? And if no, why not? What's stopping you from being like the, the roots that are just clinging around that pipe? What's stopping you? Looking forward, some questions for you. At the rest of 2023, remembering that, again, that image of the pipe wrapping around the water, which of God's good gifts are you going to need to bind yourself closer to this year? And how? How are you going to do it? Delighting the word, sacraments, prayer, fellowship. And do you have a plan for that? And the summer is a time where all of our plans just go out the window. I know. As you look at the fall, as you look at the rest of this year, do you have a plan? Here's another one. What chaff-like things could God be calling you to leave behind in the rest of 2023? And now these could be outright sins. The command there is simple. You leave them. Or it could just be things, just the image of the chaff, it could just be things that are ephemeral and meaningless. And who is someone that you, whoever, if, however these questions may be ministering, maybe like getting at you, you, there's something you need to say. Who's someone in your life that you should share these answers with? Who's someone that you shouldn't leave today without asking them to pray for you in the, with these specific things? Uh, Jesus was really fond of this psalm. Uh, he alluded to it in the ser- his, his, his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. He begins it by, he basically just echoes the psalm. He begins it by saying, blessed 
You know, the, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Clearly echoing, blessed is the man. And this psalm, Jesus loved this psalm. Also, this psalm is, is ultimately about him. He's, Jesus is the tree planted by streams of water. And Jesus, he knew this about himself. This is why Jesus, he told himself, and he told his disciples in John 15, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, for apart from me, you can do nothing. He likens himself to being the only source of life for us. He's the, ultimately, he's the pipe that we just have to wrap our roots around. Jesus has, for our, as you look at this year, looking back and looking forward, any, as you look at your, the New Year's resolutions that have totally gone by the wayside by now, as you're making th- planning for the fall, Jesus has to be the ground of any of our resolutions for change. All our striving to dig our roots deeper are meaningless if it's not to be more connected to him, to worship him more, to be more like, like him, to just know him more. Um, the purpose of this life, the purpose of your life is for us to prepare to be face-to-face with Christ. Period. That's why we're here. Are you going to live your life like that's what you're here for? That's more important than your family. It's more important than your career or your friendships. Um, To those of you who are here, uh, and may have just walked into a church for the first time, um, I want to invite you. Jesus is the source of our blessedness. Uh, if you want to live a, the life that I said at the beginning was possible, a blessed life, full, rich, resilient in the face of sorrow, rooted in what's meaningful, I would invite you to have faith in Christ. That's the thing. Pray to him. Adore him. Imitate him. Anchor yourself to his people in the church. Memorize his words. Cherish him. It will be worth it today. It'll be worth it tomorrow. And it'll be worth it on the day that you die. To those of you here, those of you who are barely here, maybe weary Christians who are leaning off the seat, barely showed up this morning, my invitation to you would be, don't leave them. The alternatives are chaff that the wind drives away. The alternatives, they may make your life easier. They may earn you the approval of your peers. They may even secure secure you positions of influence and power and money. But they are like chaff and will not endure. And to you, I would say, the words of Jesus, what good is it if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? To those of you, again, who 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 are leaning in for the first time, I want to invite you. There's such a thing as salvation from sin, from evil spirits, and it's in the arms of Christ. There's such a thing as growth. There's such a thing as hope. Come to Christ. It's real. Jesus didn't come to save us from our suffering, but he does come to nourish us and be with us in our suffering. And to the other group again, the ones who are, feel like you're barely here, uh, who would rather be somewhere else, I want to warn you. There is, just as there's such a thing as salvation, there's also such a thing as apostasy. Like, you're free to walk out of here after the service ends or before the service ends. You're free to walk out of here. You're free to ignore Christ, to reject his ways. With one big decision or with a million small ones. 
and you can cloak it in whatever fashionable clothes you want. You can twist it around like an intellectual pretzel. You can justify it however you like. You can even have motives that feel good, altruistic, and compassionate. But at the end of the day, you will be plainly rejecting the source of life. Don't do it. Don't do it. He's worth it. He's worth it. So I'd invite you to consider your suffer- the ways that the wind has been blowing on you, this, your sufferings from this year so far. And the suffering, actually, I want you to look forward to the sufferings that you may face this year, that you, that haven't, haven't hit you yet. Here's some things that may happen. People may die. Friends may move. You may face sickness and economic hardship. I prayed for a woman at our service who lost her job this past week. You may have challenges in parenting that you didn't expect. You may have challenges with your parents. Kids in the room, you may have challenges with your parents that you didn't expect. Heck, you may die this year. Have you thought of, have you considered that? Here's a, a quote from George MacDonald. Uh, he said, The Son of God suffered unto death, not that men might not suffer, but that their sufferings might be like his. Jesus is the tree planted by streams of water. His cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, it's the tree of life. It's the fruit of Jesus' cross brings healing and life to the world and to us. So I, 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 looking at you, Liberty Collingswood, at the rest of this year, 2023, I pray that your pursuits, your sufferings, and that your very lives would be like his, like Christ, that as you inevitably suffer, it may be to his glory, to the blessing of your neighbor, so that you can live a blessed life in him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later. Thank you.